0: Heard on Thursdays with Nikki is about to go live online. Catch H-O-T,
1: the iconic radio show that made Philippine FM radio talk. Every Thursday on The Monster. Streaming video on The Monster Facebook page at RX931. The
2: Monster YouTube channel at RX931. And twitch.tv slash monster RX931. You heard on Thursday's host, Nikki Porter.
0: Stand by and enjoy the program.
3: Philippine FM radio talk that's heard on Thursdays on summer's hottest, or wettest at this point, Monster RX 93.1. I'm your host, Nikki Porter. Now, when it comes to the topic of mental health, we've surely come a long way from where we started, and what was once thought of by many as something too personal or even taboo to talk about is now something that's being openly discussed in the media, in different social circles, and other avenues. However, there's still so much work to be done, and so much more to learn from people like our guests tonight. Joining us on the show are mental health advocates Steph Naval and Rich De Jesus. Steph is a founder of founder and CEO of Empath, a mental health care provider for workplaces, schools, and nonprofits. She graduated from Ateneo de Manila University, majoring in business and completing two minors, one in literature and the other in development management. Now in 2022, she was considered as one of Asia's top trailblazing entrepreneurs under Tatler's Gen T list. Steph was also awarded as one of the winners for You and Women Philippines Awards under the Youth Leadership category. And she was also nominated as Impact Entrepreneur of the Year 2021 or 2021 by Bill Groh, PH. Now Rich is the current clinical division head for Empath. He is a registered psychologist and psychometrician and holds a certification in clinical dementia rating and psychological first aid his clinical career includes his track as a psychologist for the usd hospital st luke's medical center bgc and currently at the asian hospital and medical center heard on thursdays let's welcome to the show mental health advocates, Steph Naval, and Rich de Jesus. (laughs) Hi,
2: welcome
1: to the show. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Hi, Nikki.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Yes,
3: so happy to have both of you here on the show. I'm very excited to talk about mental health with both of you. Now, let's just clear things out of the way right now and just get straight to it. Who is therapy for? and
2: what is therapy for? Wow, starting out with the difficult questions. Okay, when you say therapy, it's actually different from the other word known as counseling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so usually, if I may just differentiate the two, Counseling is for people who are having adjustment problems, day-to-day difficulties. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, therapy is, somebody, somebody is, is used for somebody who is having clinical problems already. So that means your symptoms are already very evident. Mm-hmm. It causes a significant distress with your daily living. And more importantly, it now breaks into some level of dysfunctionality within you. So, you cannot do your job properly. If you're a mom, you cannot take care of your kids properly. Mm -hmm. So, because of that, there's already a a significant intensity, okay? And and that's why you need to undergo therapy in order for you to understand yourself, develop insight to what you're having, Mm -hmm. and more importantly, to develop certain coping mechanisms to answer your questions or Mm -hmm. to answer your problems.
3: Now, with regard to, you know, empath, your clients are... Filipinos. And so what are the challenges usually? And maybe Steph can also chime in in here. What are the the challenges that Filipinos face when it comes to, you know, wanting to address their mental health concerns?
1: Yes, from even personal experience when it comes to Filipinos and also with Filipino culture, there is a stigma um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to Filipinos and there is a certain shame to seek out mental health care and maybe even lack of understanding of what it is—it's so like, intangible yeah. for people, or it's difficult for them to understand, mainly because there's not necessarily mental health 101 or psychoeducation we ever immediately learn in school. We learn yeah. about all these physical health, um, health, physical health topics and everything, but mental health is not necessarily a common discussion. Even growing up, and yes, I started, definitely, the richest time. in not <laughs> very much not not evident, that long then. ago. <laughs> so. For us, that's why here in Empath, um, mm-hmm. part of our advocacy is psychoeducation, so mm. putting out value-adding content. This was part of it was inspired because I actually had roommates who were psych majors, mm, okay. and they're the ones who taught me about what's the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Hey, maybe you should seek out. Um, they taught me about the difference between, let's say, active listening and maybe problem-solving. So I was like, hey, you know what? I think people definitely need to have better access to this knowledge. I was just lucky my roommates in college yeah. were psych majors. Um, so that's why part of Empaths Advocacy is to do psychoeducation, to teach about mental health and bring awareness, because this is definitely the first step for big hurdles for accessibility when it comes to Filipinos, reaching out for mental health care. Yeah, definitely. Now, with
3: regard to like specific, specifically Filipino culture, like, are there what are some of the norms that can negatively impact you know, mental health? Because we've they, oh. grown up with a lot of beliefs, with a lot of words thrown at us. So what can be some of those examples so that our listeners and our viewers will be aware?
2: I think one of the biggest challenges, Nikki, is that mental health is something intangible. Let's say, for example, if you cough, you can hear it. If you sneeze, you can see something coming out of your nose. <laughs> and because of that, Mental health now is often disregarded as a true illness. Yes. They often feel that it's the person just doing it to himself. That's why the, 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 the phrase like, nasa isip mo lang yan, mm-hmm. ikaw lang ang gumagawa yan, that's the most widely heard of when it comes to mental health. Yeah. Second, people are in the Philippines are very collectivistic. They value their family very well that's why when you talk about mental health concerns they don't want to share it with other people they think you know what i'm feeling something i would rather go with my tatai, with my nana, with my ate or kuya my ninong or ninang mm-hmm. to ask for advice my titos and titas you know that's why they want to keep it within the family so that kind of shame that if something comes out from your family especially with this mental health issue it becomes a problem another one is the macho stigma in the philippines i'm a guy i should not be crying i should not be even affected with anxiety and depression so there's a problem like that and then lastly even if you already have exposure to this kind of things sometimes we have a symptom called alexithymia alexithymia from the root word itself ah meaning nothing lexi understanding thymia emotion so no understanding of emotion so the person, under, uh, the person undergoes a feeling, but he could not put a label onto it. Yeah. So because of that confusion, you don't know what to do. You don't have any insight of what you're going through. That's and true. those are now becoming the blocks on, or, or hurdles on why you don't have proper access to health care, mm-hmm. mental health care, that can really help you out.
3: Yeah, and I, I wanna bring the, you, did, you mentioned, Shame, especially when it comes to you know being around your family, not wanting to share or open up with them because you don't want that you know to um, be.
2: It's embarrassing. To yeah, the it's family.
3: embarrassing, right? So, it, with regard to shame, then would you consider you know people pleasing to be an unspoken Filipino trait? Yeah, let's put it this
2: way: when you say the word makisama ka, ah, ah yeah. see, you're already anxious, but the family is going out makisama ka. <laughs> You're depressed. You don't want to go to anything, to do anything, because your motivation is low. But your family has an affair, makisama ka. So because of that, there's there's a certain level of hiya that you're feeling with yourself. That's why you're now forcing yourself, even though even though you're not well. So because of that, it just gets worse, because there's a feeling of guilt that you don't love yourself that much, and then the symptom exacerbates from that
3: and then it's very interesting also that you mention that because um with the makisamaka it's like it means well but then you know it's not really acknowledging that you know this person is really not feeling you know like they're just mentally not capable of like handling you know social gatherings yes. say at that given moment but and when is it when is it um, when is makisamaka is it can it be a good thing
2: oh definitely it does let's say for example if you yourself are in a good state and then you have that capacity to share what you have with another person to, to, to oblige, to, to indulge that other person's request then it's a good thing. Yeah. La' if you have the resources to do it. However, there are times where it becomes difficult because it's you who is the one needing help right. and it's more of like you're already coming from a deficit and then they're still asking you to give more from mm-hmm. yourself. So that is really very damaging to the person.
3: And so hopefully with our monsters who are listening like this is just giving more importance like in addressing mental health and how we should make aware like you know there are if there are some issues that you are concerned with if you need help it's not you shouldn't be afraid to ask for it as well it's very important for you to have people around you who can give you the support that you need um, to to help to help you out basically now um, we're going to we're going into like the first half of our myths that we want to debunk during the show. So with regard to mental health, and uh, Steph, I can uh, refer this to you. As someone who's a mental health advocate, the myth is you should only go to therapy when you absolutely need it or if you have a diagnosed mental
1: condition. So Ooh, yes, <laughs> um, I think that's a very good myth to bring up. So. Ideally, personally, I'd want therapy to be as regular as, let's say, a dentist checkup um, because preventive health care is better than just reactive health care. Once it's at a very severe state already, um, it's very difficult to be able to address it rather than when you're able to um, hit it head on in that Mm. sense. So I think. For me, um, if you feel already symptoms in that sense, or even just a mental health check, or just you just wanna do your um, check-in, for example, so that's something that we can definitely be able to even help an empath. So we have something that's empath intake um yeah, consultations, yeah, consultations. To also check if like okay uh, maybe it's just the early signs right now, so we can recommend whether it's a psychologist or a psychiatrist mm-hmm. for different cases. Um, at the same time, it's very important to catch it early on for early for um, early signs of it, yeah. because once it gets very severe. Although it's it's not like completely the end of the world in that sense, we can definitely help you out for it. Um, it's very important, and we should make it n- normalized in that sense for mental health check-ins. Um, whether it's just to casually right. like, hey, what's happening mm-hmm. with me? Um, are there any areas that I should look into further and like oh I actually have this maybe I can address it before it exacerbates or mm-hmm. it gets worse so thank you for also bringing up that that's a misconception <laughs> that um, you can only or you're only valid enough to go to mental health if you're diagnosed or you've gone through severe traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. So um, anyone can seek mental health care as long as you have a mind you can very much go to therapy and mental health care and reach out for support even for just a check in. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah so it does not necessarily be though it's a very severe case for more preventive measures also
3: yeah definitely having a therapist even if you don't have like in a personal experience when I like having a therapist is very helpful to have if you have problems but then like what you mentioned with those mental check-ins it's very crucial because sometimes there are things that you miss yeah so like as you go through like you know talking with your therapist they can be able to catch things you know without mm-hmm. you even know what noticing yes. sometimes so that's really um, that's so beneficial, like at least in the personal experience that I've had. Now, the second myth, uh, maybe I can reach this out to to Rich. If you have a mental health condition, and this is very, let's say, maybe decades past in the way that this myth is. Maybe some people still believe this. If you have a mental health condition, you're crazy or baliuka.
2: Oh no, 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 definitely <laughs> not. Okay, let me explain it this way to our listeners right now when you talk about mental health conditions it's always a spectrum okay before it's more just like a question do you have it or not but the more modern way of approaching it is putting you on a spectrum and asking you how much level of distress and dysfunction are you having the one that we call baliu or siraulo technically just uh, goes to one category of illnesses those are the psychotic related illnesses so this means you have delusions you, be, you believe on certain things even though they are not true you have hallucinations you see things you hear things because you your brain is really not working well there is an abundance of chemicals in the brain that needs to be regulated with medication. but if you're anxious for example if you're depressed if you're obsessive compulsive Those are not psychotic-related disorders. So, hindi ka baliw. Okay? You are just suffering from a condition. And each and every condition may have a different level of intensity. So, for example, let's say, a good example here is autism. Okay? When you talk about autism right now, it's a spectrum. There are people who have autism, but their autism is very highly developed to the point that you can go to college, you can go to grad school, you can have work. Right. Yeah. But there are some people with autism that it's so severe that you cannot even finish elementary.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's it's always going to be on what level in the spectrum are you? And again, in mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> Let's have that clear. It's not always going to be a crazy la- label yeah. on you.
0: All right?
3: right? Got it, all right. So hopefully, Maybe, I mean, sometimes it can be just like a, it's a generational kind of belief or like what we grew up with. So it's really important to destigmatize, you know, or putting it all in one box, Yeah. like about mental health, mental health conditions. Now, uh, with myth number three, let's throw this to Steph. We practice this all there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the myth is you don't need therapy because you can just pray away any mental health condition. Yes, so <laughs> this
1: is a very common um, con- misconception mm-hmm. in that sense that happens in very much Filipino culture. So I come from a religious background mm-hmm. with my family, and for when it comes to prayer, whether you will say you're religious or not, um, for when it comes to praying, it's okay definitely to pray, um, especially when you're going through trials and difficulties. Yeah. How. Um, I analyze it in that sense, or how I internalized it. Was it, say, for example, you have a tummy ache. So when you have a tummy ache, you can pray about it, for it to get better, for it to go away. Um, And if it does, that's great. Uh, But if it doesn't, um, okay, maybe we need to take certain action steps to Mm -hmm. be able to address this tummy ache. So you visit an expert, you go to your doctor, um, they give you medication, you feel better. Mm -hmm. So you prayed, you went to the doctor, and it's great. So that's perfectly a great example. So similar with mental health, um, you're going through difficulties, trials, you're manifesting symptoms of anxiety or even depression. Um, But then let's say you pray about it, okay, great, it goes away. But let's say you still continuously pray for it, but it doesn't go away because you definitely need an expert so yeah. you can reach out to an expert mm-hmm. they could give you medication they can help you process things and um, there you're able to recover and heal from that certain experiences so um, this is for me how I process when it came to my relationship with spirituality at the same time so it's also how whether you want to integrate in your life or not um, definitely um, faith can be there um, but action is also very much necessary when needed
3: that's so true and um, yeah and I like that I like that you added a metaphor for sure it's like um, yes you you can definitely pray for it but then there has to be actionable steps moving forward so that it can actually you know manifest in that way that you can it can help you it can make you feel
0: Better, at least with regard to a (laughs) Tommy, also. With with with
3: anything in life, actually. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Now, um, for for Rich, somewhat in relation to this myth, uh, the myth is therapists will force me to do things against my religious or non religious beliefs.
2: Okay. Number one, a therapeutic relationship is built on mutual respect. Mm -hmm. The therapist is not there to direct you on what you will need to do on your life. Actually, when you go into counseling and psychotherapy, the therapist acts as a guide, first in developing insight to what you need to learn with yourself. And then the therapist will then give you the possible options that you could take. The decision is still left with the patient. So the therapist is just there to tell you these are your options. Here are the consequences of each option that you do. And then whatever it is, the therapist will still be there also to listen to you, when you come back for your next session, you you now share your consequences. The therapist will still be there to do it and to do mm-hmm. it with you. That's why, particularly in some forms of therapy, we have what we call unconditional positive regard. So we look into the humanity of the individual. We always look at the dignity of the person, and support is always given, especially to those who need it.
1: I think I'd also want to add to that, um, Mm -hmm. I actually went through six different psychologists before I found the right one for me. Mm -hmm. That's how difficult the mental health care system is. I entered it when I was 14 years old, and I've been through it for over a decade. One of the reasons why I wanted to start Empath, because I already experienced the whole um, difficulties, the large and small Yes, Yes, a lot of it. And as a user from that mental health care system, it was very important to address it. So going back, what I really loved about, let's say, the six psychologists I had, <laughs> who I've been having for over five years already, um, what I love is that she, it, it, the relationship was she lays the cards on the table, she processes it with me, I get to choose and decide, she'll support whatever one did then have a good consequence because <laughs> I didn't listen <laughs> in that sense, um, but she's there to support me, she shows another card, what I prefer, like, sure, great decision, um, I'll help you support it. So, um, definitely that's not true. Um, if they do, I'm so sorry. Maybe that's not the right therapist yeah, for Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: you you so, need to click with how yeah. your therapist talks, how your therapist tries to relate with you. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Sometimes there will be people who have a different background that you are. It doesn't mean that they mean unwell. Okay, yeah. They still try to look into your best interest, but it's just so happened it's not matching on where you are right now. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. That's why you know you go to Empath because you know we have a lot of <laughs> therapists. You, you can choose whatever. Actually,
1: maybe yeah. I can also just something. Sure. A myth. What I've to find out the hard way also is that you need to take time to match with a therapist Mm -hmm. all the more when it's a very intimate relationship true yeah so for me um that's why it was important to get referrals for therapists um it's to it's important to know and understand their background their specializations even some of their interests Mm -hmm. um so let's say for me when I first entered they just gave me oh here's a list of psychologists there's their contact numbers emails that's it like we what and in that time as you know as a young teenager i already searched and and when you search on the internet they're very hard to find because it's such a taboo um profession Mm -hmm. also true so it's why also here in empath part of because of that experience is that we have bios for the psychologist sometimes it has um, some specializations Um, even the specific interests that they also have. um.
2: Not to mention, that's why we have a case management system in Empath. So whenever you log on to our platform, we give you an intake, we get the information that we need from you, particularly regarding the progression of your case, and then we analyze it. We have case support officers who do that. And then they give you options that are best uh, likely to be a a match to your case right now. Mm. And then we also of course give a factor to your preference so let's say if you want a female therapist okay we can do it we could deal with that okay but the important thing here is that we are also guiding our clients to the best possible care that they could receive
0: yeah
3: definitely and it's so true that it it would take some time for you to find a therapist I i had to encounter that also even when trying to find a therapist like a few years ago it was it was like not it,
0: like swipe
2: left. <laughs> 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 um, that's uh, a good thing. Yeah, it, it is, is, it is, it, it is. is. That's why you know we, we tell people don't be discouraged if the first therapist did not click with you. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I know it's tiresome to tell your story repetitively, mm-hmm. but look at it this way: you're doing this because you want to get better.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's why I told tell, tell people you know don't give up on yourself.
3: Yeah. Definitely. Now, uh, we're done with the first half of the myths, but I do want to ask though, and I think this is something I've been wondering for a while, and for some monsters who probably are curious about this, how are mental health conditions usually diagnosed? Now, for example, uh, to determine if someone is neurodivergent, what what would it entail?
2: Okay. First and foremost, I really hate it when people say psychologist ka. I e psychologize muna ako. <laughs> oh my god, that really that really me out. That really boils me out.
3: Psychologize. Yeah. So,
2: you know, if I just not worry about my license, you know, I'll just you know hit that person. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs>
2: but you know, I'm kind and I'm trying to be accommodating. So, I tell people this: when psychologists diagnose your case, the first thing that we do is we observe your behavior. Okay the body language that you do when you're in the clinic, the way that you talk, the way that you present yourself, the bearing that you have, we look at that. Second, we talk to you. Let's get your history. Let's look at where your case started. How did it progress? Did you use any coping mechanisms to help you out? Because you know, people always would like to help themselves. Unfortunately, not all coping mechanisms are effective towards their case. Mm So there are people who will really do something about what they have. It's just that it's a mismatch to what they have. Mm. So that's why the therapist will step in to arrange that for the person. And then we use psychological testing. Now, these tests are not just the ones borrowed from the internet. These are legitimate developed tests with norms, which are tested with a large group of people. And then we use that to compare your scores from their scores mm-hmm. and try to find out where you belong to that distribution now when we do that we then also use the diagnostic and statistical manual for mental disorders or the DSM mm-hmm. so it's a guide on how we then need to see like a tick box of how many symptoms do you have and what kind of symptom does it reflect on on the disorders mm-hmm. that's how we do it psychology is very scientific okay so it's not like you know you just look at the person and I got it no it's not like (laughs) we're not judgmental okay so we use scientific methods in addition to that those are soft evidences because of technology nowadays we then also see hard evidences we look at MRI scans we look at PET scans, so we can see what a brain part is functioning at that particular time Mm -hmm. And then we use other tests like EEG, for example, electroencephalogram, to measure your brain, especially if you have sleeping problems. So it's always a multidisciplinary approach, Mm -hmm. okay, which uses scientific methods and more importantly, empathic listening.
3: (laughs) Very important, very important, obviously. Well, thank you for sharing that because it's always just been, you know, we have… There are those tests online that you mentioned oh, and people oh, oh, oh. would like to self-diagnose. Do like, not. Do they have ADHD, for example? You That's
2: know, I had <laughs> attended the recent seminar in the States. okay, It's by online. And they were trying to decipher, is your ADHD really an ADHD or just a factor of your anxiety? Right, yeah. And, and most often than not, you're losing your focus not because you have ADHD, mm-hmm. but it's because your anxiety or your depression is overpowering you. So a lot of people are asking now, do I have adult ADHD? I say, let's talk first. Okay, I'm not saying no, I'm not saying yes, so like, let's talk do first. I have this,
1: Wait, yeah. this question? It's yeah. um, not even facts. Yes. Yes do I have this? No? Yeah, not, not to
2: mention, if I may say so, a lot of symptoms with mental health disorders overlap with different disorders. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so let's say for example, the symptom of sadness. Sadness goes for depression, for dystemia, uh, yeah. from cyclotemia, from... Uh, bipolar disorder even for borderline personality so it goes with a lot so it doesn't mean I have sadness checked (laughs) it doesn't mean I'm going to zero into that disorder right there and then Mm -hmm. so what I'm trying to tell the public now here is that please do not self-diagnose but rather what I would rather like to teach you is to take note of what you do every day regarding your condition That way, when you go to your psychologist or your psychiatrist, you now have a diary or a notebook which says, you know what, day one, I was happy, this is what I did. Day two, I felt down, this is what I did. It will then help your clinician to have a better view of what you're going through. Okay. Particularly, more importantly, the people around you when that happened because this will identify triggers. Yes. And more importantly, the time of the day. Because sometimes, some of the symptoms are cyclical. They happen on a specific time of the day. Interesting. Okay, so I think that's more informative rather than you telling me. I found on Google. I have this kind of disorder, (laughs) and I want to validate with you if I really have it or not.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, for a time, like I think I did that before, because I was really trying to figure out what is wrong with me. Like, why am I feeling all of these things? But then, I self-diagnosed myself being bipolar. Like, I was like 14 at the mm. time, or 13, but then my sister was like, you're not. Like, I, was, like, I don't think that you are. You can't mm. just take the answer or determine what your condition is by just like, you know, researching. Or, like,
2: not to symptoms. mention what's the consequence out of that. Yeah. Because you're now labeling yourself, you're now trying to narrow down the kind of help that you may have. Yeah. It's more yeah. of like, you know what, your friends are listening to you it's like, no, I, I'm sorry, I, I cannot get help from this because I'm bipolar. Yeah.
1: yeah. You need to so, identify yourself
2: yes. yeah. with it. So it, it, it becomes a crutch for you.
1: Yeah. You know? I think to just want to add to it also, I do have, a, I know a lot of people, uh, not saying it's their fault, but because Culturally, it's something that's coming out because it's fun. To be like, <laughs> <laughs> so what type of, um, what yeah. type of this person I am? Because that's it's, it's a form of, I guess, for self-realization yeah. in that yeah. sense. But yeah. it might be um, very misleading for people. True. Although you might get a high that like, oh, I'm actually like this mm-hmm. because of like this explains the whole thing. Um, there's quite a dangerous path to do self-diagnosis. Definitely. So that's what I tried to share with my friends. Um, Same, ask questions. Not licensed psychologists, <laughs> but they ask. So, Steph, what do you think? <laughs> so I'm like, oh my goodness! Um, you tell them contact rich. Yeah. I, 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 actually, no. I tell them maybe like let's get um, scientifically tested first, um, mm-hmm. diagnosis. Because what happens is what I notice with these friends of mine is that okay, I have ADHD. Okay, I have this. Therefore, I will limit myself to all these options. Oh, I need this type of treatment. Yeah. So when it's not the proper treatment for you, and then it starts getting worse because you treated yourself um, self-treated yourself not the proper way or the yeah. scientifically based sure. for
2: it um, so, so all the more just hurting yourself
1: yeah so it, it's quite the consequences are quite dangerous also in that sense
2: not yeah. to mention if you take it for a long time that when the time comes that you go and meet your psychologist it will also take time for your psychologist to recover from that
0: mm-hmm. okay undo certain yes. things uh, so yeah.
2: let's say for example you have been coping in the wrong way okay it will just create more problems along along the way and your psychologist will take time in order for you to get better from that. Right. Even if you are talking to a psychiatrist, for example, let's say taking medications. You know, if you have a fever, you take, bio, you know, you take paracetamol and things <laughs> like that. Your fever, you're, it will lower down. However, for mental health problems, it doesn't do well like that. Once you take medications, usually it takes one to two weeks in order for it to be effective. And uh-huh. that is if you take it religiously. Yeah. You know, the Filipino culture is like this. I'm doing well now. I won't take the
0: meds.
2: (laughs) And sometimes it can be fatal if you take off your medicine cold turkey. Mm. Okay? So you need to be very careful on that.
3: There we go. Do not (laughs) self-diagnose. Mental health conditions monsters. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. Um, So let's talk some buzzwords also with regard to mental health now. So one of the buzzwords that I actually have been picking up On social media or even just in different discussions um is the concept of the inner child so what is the concept i've like i've i've had a lot of material like reading about it and you know trying to talk to my own inner child also but like in terms of for the monsters who might not be aware because again it's intangible it's like you don't like what is the inner child A part of me like so can you explain to us what that is yeah
2: okay so in each and every one of us there is that entity that then carries all of the pain all of the sorrows the disappointments the frustrations that you had when you were growing up in addition to that as a form of balance it also carries the happiness Okay, So it then is a collection of how you were as you were molding yourself, as you were creating your identity for who you are. Now, as you are now an adult, you are now dealing with your day-to-day problems. But sometimes the core of who you are sticks to that inner child. Let's say, for example, you had a very busy week and then you saw an ice cream truck and you just really got motivated of getting ice cream that day. It's because your inner child is technically telling you, you know what, back when you were a child, nothing solves your problem than a cone of ice cream. Or for example, let's say your boss shouted at you, humiliated you in front of the office. And then your inner child then triggers the same emotion saying, you know what, it's just like how your dad scolded you before in front of your sister or in front of your younger brother, and it then triggers a lot of emotions. It spirals down. Yeah. That's why there is a form of a psychotherapeutic method we're in. It's called healing the inner child. Mm-hmm. Trying to get back, who is that Nikki back then? Who is that Steph? Who is that rich back then? And how do we then process that? Now, there are a multitude of ways you can even use hypnosis if possible yeah. so we have what we call age regression so let's say for example let's say you are a PhD you know what a PhD is okay you're a PhD you're having a hard time finding a guy for you and then you're asking yourself now is there really something wrong with me now you go to your psychologist you tell your psychologist there's something wrong with me and then your psychologist can say you know what just look at this pendulum blah 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 hypnotize you and then go back to the time wherein you then had a certain incident on involving a male partner, mm-hmm. perhaps your dad, your older brother, or another male figure, mm-hmm. and then fix it that way. And because of that, you now have a better chance of really finding the right guy for you. Another one is trauma-focused CBT, for example. You had a childhood trauma. You then develop irrational thoughts out of the way. Okay. Then we try to look how do we then deal with those irrational thoughts? The way that you feel broken, for example. Because especially when it comes to trauma, people always say, I'm not the person I used to be. I am broken because of that experience. Mm -hmm. And that's how we try to deal with it. We try to see what are those thoughts that you develop because of that. And we try to challenge it. We try to reframe it. Mm -hmm. And then after it has been reframed, the next step is to reinforce it. Trying to now support the person saying, hey, you know what? You did the reframing. You did have good consequences out of it. Letting them realize, hey, I was the one who did that. I am now empowered to help myself. So that's how you do it.
3: Like, I have never had, like, the concept of inner child explained in that sense. And so much better to have it explained in person.
2: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> because it's so... Because,
3: like, you know, reading about it, yes, like, you can see, like, okay, that makes sense. But to know the purpose of knowing your inner child, being aware of your inner child, what your triggers are and everything, and how, you know, how therapists can help help you move forward and reframe um, how you saw your childhood i guess and to move forward and become better and live better like it's just very it's refreshing and it's very it gives
2: hope yeah you don't want to be a phd forever <laughs> <That's true. laughs> That is <true. laughs>
3: now um healing the inner child though is it um is it related does it have anything to do with the concept of reparenting or are those two different
2: things? oh no those are two different things uh primarily when you say about healing the inner child this is really more on you trying to rediscover who you are, what are those pains, and more importantly, recovering from those painful experiences, okay? You know, a lot of issues here usually points out to blaming the parents, especially if you're very Freudian, okay? It's because your mom did this and did that, okay? However, it doesn't work for everyone. That's why it depends first on what kind of therapist you're facing and then how does he try to handle your concerns, okay? So in that situation, in healing the inner child, what you're actually doing is learning also to forgive yourself for those experiences. And
3: that can
0: be very difficult.
3: (laughs) Oh, definitely. Because
2: in the first place, you don't know why you had to forgive yourself in the first place. True. A lot of people will say, that guy did something bad to me. Why am I now forgiving myself for it? But technically, what they need to learn there is that because you also had a role in enabling those things to happen to you. That's why we are trying to let you forgive yourself in the first place, becoming at peace with what happened, closing it properly, and therefore enabling you to have a, a very fruitful life ahead of you. Because if not, it might even end up to the point that you're self-sabotaging yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's very so common. True. Yeah,
3: definitely. So thank you for enlightening us a little bit more about like the concept of the inner child. For those who probably heard that term, Hopefully, this is given has shed light on what it actually means. And uh, so now, like with regards to inner child, you also you also mentioned, you know, there were triggers as well. Uh, you know, you get triggered, or your inner child gets triggered when there's a certain situation that you come across in your adult life. I want to know with Steph now, like for you, what does being triggered feel like for you? Like, what are some sensations that you would feel, for example? So that because maybe monsters aren't aware. Of, like, when they feel triggered, right? They don't know, yeah, why am I something like this? Or they don't question it. It's just a part of, like, what
1: they, you know, their behavior. So, what would, like, a trigger feel like? Ooh, um, for what I learned in the past, um, Rich could correct me if I'm wrong, That's is okay. that people manifest, well, for me, it's physical manifestations. Mm-hmm. Um, for some people, it, it's actually different per person. Exactly. Um, so, actually, how I found out about it was with my roommates. So, I was in college. I was going through, let's say, uh, depressive or anxiety episodes. Um, and I was doing certain physical manifestations. So, I won't share all of them, but mm-hmm. then some of them are, let's say, uh, heart palpitation. Um, let's say, stiffness of muscles. Um, also, when it comes to um, the thoughts, I, I get really like red or hot also oh, okay, yeah. in that sense. Sometimes, rashes come out also like, like that. Um, and that's actually a common thing, what I found yes. out. Like anxiety or um, like psychologically triggered rashes. Those
2: are called uh, psychosomatizations. Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. So um, it it it's very actually per person. Um, so for me, when I started, let's say um, that time, it was I guess like how um, how physical manifestation was. Um, they said, wait, that's not. That's that's quite severe. That's not right. Like, oh, I thought when people said they go through a breakdown, they this is what happens. Like, no, yes. not at all. Um, and it's, I didn't know that was actually triggers or that severe because it was so normal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in that sense, that's why I think it's important to even do mental health checks so just to know. Um, if I found out that shocks because it exacerbated over the years. It used to be quite wow. um, mild when I was fourteen. Um, it was manifestations, and then it. It manifested throughout the next like, five years and it got worse. So that's why it's important to also just check in. Um don't self-diagnose again. <laughs> check in um also and it it varies per person. Exactly. It's very different per person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that let's say one person has this. Oh shucks, if I have this or if I don't have this, that means I don't I'm not right. triggered. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think we can discuss this by just having four letter D's mm-hmm. to look out for. Okay. The first letter D to look out for is deviance. Are your behaviors becoming quite peculiar as compared to what other people would be doing? Okay, so when you start to do weird things to yourself, that's a start. The next letter D is distress. How much are you suffering from those symptoms? Let's say, for example, you're in a class, you're having recitations, and then you suddenly get hives. You feel so hot with yourself. That's distressing. You're reading your book. You're reading the same paragraph again and again, and you don't understand what you're reading. That's distressing. You start to get forgetful of your things. That's distressing. You suddenly shake, okay, whenever some people walk into the room. That's distressing. Third letter D, dysfunction. You used to be an A student. You used to be a good worker, an efficient worker. You're very punctual. Now, you know, you're always late. You're, you can't follow your deadlines. That's a start. You're a mom who used to be very functional at home. Nowadays, you start burning food. You forget to pick up your kids. Those are dysfunctions. Mm -hmm. Lastly, letter D, danger. You're either a danger to yourself, or even worse, a danger to other people. Where in which you say, for example, whenever you see that guy, you just wanna start strangling him little by little, okay? Or for example, you just had thoughts of death. Not necessarily suicide, just thoughts of death. Like, what would it be like if I'm just not here? What would Fasting it be like, yes. Also. What would it be like if I'm not alive tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So, those four Ds, deviance, distress, dysfunction, danger. If you have all of that, call Empath, okay? <laughs> That's how you do it.
1: Oh, okay. And take note, Rich um, shares this, not to, for you to self-diagnose. Yes. So, um, just because you have certain distress or let's say you're reading a paragraph and it's yeah. not or if you're mm-hmm. not if you're not punctual um, take note we share these things so you're brought awareness yeah. but don't self-diagnose to bring awareness for the first step to be able to seek and actually get a um, scientific basis mm-hmm. on um, or if these are triggers or if this is an episode that you're going through. So just yeah. a heads up. Yeah, that it's
2: more of like we're telling you this so that when you're observing this, it's time to get help.
3: Yeah, and uh, that's 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 basically the reason why I also wanted to bring about like the concept of triggers as well because a lot of us, again, like we might not be aware that we might be actually triggered in certain situations we find ourselves in in our adult lives. And so, um, for example, for me, just to, just to piggyback on what... Um, what Steph said with regard to her triggers. My triggers is like the tightness of the chest. Like I have difficulty breathing. There is like a lump in my throat. So like those are all classic (laughs) triggers that I have that I didn't know were actually triggers and I didn't know they were actually, um, they were, I was reacting to something, but it was like a pattern, but I always, it's always this particular. Yeah. And it's, but it always, particular situations that have similar elements to them. So for those sponsors who are probably curious like probably I mean uh, this is to bring awareness so it is very informational but yes if you do need help don't self-diagnose right now (laughs) but seek help. (laughs) So let's go to the second half now of the of the myths uh, that I do have listed. So with um with regard to uh, myth number six, so Steph, my problems aren't
1: serious enough
0: for therapy. Ooh,
3: um, <laughs> yes,
1: that's a very common um, statement I True. hear. So even if, let's say, oh Steph, I, I don't think I I deserve to, deserve or it's not valid enough for me to seek out therapy. I think for therapy, it's definitely a spectrum also. Yes. Um, there are those, let's say, general concerns. Let's say, even if it's the quote-unquote not the
2: Not the clinical.
1: Not the clinical concerns, the severity of the concerns. But honestly, um, if you want really solid um, processing of an expert, who's who's be able to process whether it's after a breakup or. it still has its benefits, exactly. benefits in that sense, rather maybe even going to um, a friend who also doesn't know how to best help you, yeah. um, which is not their fault in their end, uh, at least you're getting really solid quality time of someone who's an expert, whether it's relationships, whether it's family members. So one, it's a preventive measure, and two, it's just um, very beneficial in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do encourage it. There's no problem that's too um, so little small, or yeah. small, um, the fact that it's a problem it's valid enough. Um, maybe some, for others, in quote-unquote the severity, they would take a certain type of therapist, and it would take maybe a longer period of therapy. But for, let's say, for certain problems um, that you want to catch, preventive, or even just process by an expert, um, it's definitely all the more beneficial. Yeah, definitely. And so um, if you,
3: there is something that you want to talk about, like those mental check-ins like just go, to go back to that like those can be very helpful even if you feel like you, your problem isn't big enough again therapists can help yeah. and uh, maybe pinpointing some things because like, when you write down notes right sometimes you can tell like okay there's a bit of a pattern here yes mm-hmm. yeah.
2: exactly that's why you need to start introspection try to review your day for example what are the thoughts that you usually have yeah. or let's say for example if this is the situation what is your main response to it mm-hmm. And then that's how you identify certain things.
3: Yeah, and so that brings me to actually uh, the next myth, uh, which is therapy is mostly just talking rich.
2: It's no. Insane. Oh yes. <laughs> Therapy is, you know, talking is the mode on how we do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's not just chismisan. Yeah. Okay, this is not the test talk. Therapy is about developing insight. We first listen to the patient Because he is the best interpreter of how he is undergoing his concerns, okay? Piggybacking on that question a while ago, is there any such a thing as a small concern? No. The mere fact it's distressing you, it's a serious concern. Some people will tell me, you know what, Rich, it's just love life. I say no. Even though it's just love, it may be cheesy, for example. But the mere fact it's bothering you, it's something important, okay? So, when we talk, we then process, we... The psychologist would be thinking this way How are you coping with this? If you are coping, even. Next, what do you now want to do with yourself? That's why after therapy, we also give homework to these people. Okay? I so, my
3: homeworks before. Yeah. <laughs> it
2: was
1: worksheets also. Yes, there
2: are. Yeah. And these help the patient develop more insight about himself. And they now understand that they have a certain capability to overcome the situation okay so let's say for example let's say you're not that confident with who you are I'll tell you now okay Nikki whenever you wake up go to the mirror t- say something about yourself say three things positive things about who you are and I want you to do that in the next 14 days and then after that see me if let's say for example oh Steph you have an eating problem okay here's how you do it whenever you feel hungry you try to look at the post it on your fridge and then I'll tell them okay put in question number one are you really hungry Question number two, can it be postponed after an hour? Question number three, can you just use water for this? Mm -hmm. So by doing those things, we give life skills to our patients. And then when they come back for their follow-up sessions, we then try to reinforce how they are. Mm -hmm. So it's not just talking, it's not just letting yourself air out. It's more of airing out, processing it, empowering you and allowing you to see you can do it. You can overcome this.
3: There we go. And I think also just to um, just to talk more about like, you know, people thinking that it's just about talking with regard to therapy. Um, part of the reason I feel like people don't even want to go into therapy is because they don't want to talk about their feelings. That's always like the oh, what do you call that? That's a common misconception or that's the Um, that's how people want to keep themselves like armored up or shelled up because it's like, you know, it's so, it makes them uncomfortable, um, because, you know, and because sometimes, you know, talking about your feelings, it seems like it's, it sometimes, or most of the time, it refers to negative emotions. Yes. um why exactly is it important though to embrace the negative emotions and allow yourself to actually sit in them no matter how uncomfortable it is
2: well primarily because you are not going to be in denial of who you are that's the first thing that you need to understand accepting what you are doing being mindful of where you are what you are and what you're doing at this particular time is the first step in helping yourself Actually, I, I do have something to say about those friends of those people with mental illnesses. I'm going to give you three letters right now that will be very helpful for you. It's O-R-A. Observe, reflect, ask. Now, don't just go approach people and say, are you okay? Because that will just trigger them to be more defensive. Right. Okay. Because they will now feel, hey, you know what? You think I have a bad emotion, you think I have a bad day, blah, blah, blah. So, this is how you do it. You first observe your friend. Let's say your roommate, okay, in that manner.
1: They did observe you. Yes. They applied that. You <laughs> observe
2: the roommate. And then the next step is you reflect your observation back to the person. Let's say for example, I'm your roommate. Nikki, I have been noticing you have not been eating for the last four days. By doing so, you are orienting the person, this is to the level that I want to talk with you. Okay. And then the last phase is to ask. Now when you're asking, always ensure that it's an open-ended question because if you ended up with a yes or a no that's a very mechanical conversation it won't go anywhere yeah. so that the first approach that you say would be is there something that you would like for us to talk about
1: yeah they said that to me also exactly yeah.
2: <laughs> they're psych majors I, I <laughs> so that's how you do it you know especially among Filipinos you say it like this okay ka lang? Yeah. and because of that it then triggers your, your your statement a while ago that it triggers your defenses that I don't want to share what I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? Because in the first place, you don't have evidence that can really support if I have those kind of feelings. That's why you do ORA. Because when you now reflect hey, okay, you know what? I have been noticing that you have been sulking for the last two weeks. I don't want to say anything yet, but you know, I just observe it's getting it's getting worse. And would you like to talk about it? By doing so, you're now telling people, I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to, you know, hear you out. I want to let you explain what you're going through without any judgment. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, you're opening the person. Okay? Yeah.
3: And now, I mean, it's, it's okay, so ORA, important to remember. Now, I feel like I would have a harder time doing this when it comes to my guy friends though because um i find it interesting you know when i have the conversation about therapy or mental health it's women who are more open yep. about yes. it macho culture yeah. yeah so i mean um like i've even seen like instagram reels about like you know how um like what, what do you what do you want what are you looking for in a guy? A guy who goes into therapy? Like, you know, there are those memes, there are those memes and those reels that it's like. Yeah, that makes sense. But like, based on your experience, so like, um, why, why do men, apart from like the macho culture, I guess, they seem inclined, less inclined to talk about or even consider going to therapy?
2: You know why? Because men are more results oriented. We don't like the process. We just want to see the results. And therapy is not like that. Therapy takes a long time because it's also it also took a long time for you to have that problem. It took a process to get you there, it takes another process to get you out of there. So that's why when a guy sits on the therapist couch, he would like to say, I want after the session that I'm healed. Yeah. So that there's that kind of unrealistic expectation setting. And with your friends, for example, I often tell people, you then ask your friend this way how long would you like to have that feeling to stay with you? That's how you convince them to go to therapy. Let's say, for example, your friend would say, you know what, I'm 40 years old now, I've been going through dates, it doesn't work this way. And you you tell your friend, okay, how how much longer would you like to stay in that situation? How many failed dates would you still want to have? and now they start to contemplate and they say okay so what do i do you process yourself first you get to therapy now more importantly whenever we direct somebody to go to therapy let us not forget to be with that person on his first session because put it this way you say let's say for example steph would say rich go to therapy and then i'll just go there on my own i don't like it even so that level of resistance really destroys the process but if i would have steph there with me and I would understand, okay, my friend is really committing to this, so maybe I should commit to this also. Okay. So that kind of moral support then gives the process a better fighting chance of really getting into that person.
3: That makes sense, yeah, for sure. So I mean, uh, that then begs the question, so Rich, how would you then convince men to consider therapy as a man yourself? Like if you could speak, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if okay. you could speak to them. <laughs> casually civilly
2: (laughs) one option is marry a psychologist because my wife is one (laughs) now kidding aside you know i'll put it to to all of the guys who are listening to us right now it's not it's not something that you need to fear about as a person you have feelings your emotion is a part of your consciousness the more that you then try to disregard it Mm -hmm. all the more that you're just creating a bigger hole that you're digging yourself into, okay? One way or another, emotions will come out because you are relating to people, you are relating to yourself, okay? It's not, it's not something that will diminish your manhood, to admit that there's something that went wrong. But actually, it's more on you investing on yourself, developing yourself better, and more importantly, becoming your real man's man, for the people that matter whether it's your girlfriend your wife or even your kids okay if you're not only going to do it for them you're also going to do it for yourself
3: there we go male monsters i hope that that uh, struck a chord with you listening right now with rich so um if you feel like you need help then please go ahead and um, ask for it and if you need someone to talk to someone um, boy, if you're looking for therapy, Empath is here <laughs> to help you. Now oh, we're nearing the end of the show, but I do want to know since um, you did start Empath, uh, Steph, what made you decide to actually, you know, start this this platform, this provide uh, this service so that uh, for for Filipinos?
1: Yes, yeah, So um, I mentioned to you before that I started. Getting into the mental health care system, I had my first therapy session when I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. I was manifesting already a lot of mental health conditions when I was 14. Extremely difficult throughout the process. I went through six different mental health professionals from psychiatrists, psychologists, Mm -hmm. um, counselors. Um, I also gone through the whole system for over a decade. And even after a whole decade, there was not much significant change. And we were really way behind globally on right, the access yeah. for mental health care and I feel like I was also one of the relatively luckier ones with my sixth psychologist at the same time um, through that process and healing and that's how definitely changed my life changed my family dynamic also saved also maybe my younger siblings from developing the severity of my condition as well because my parents were more aware and educated about how to care for children as they develop when it comes to their mental health And the thing is, um, millions of Filipinos don't have that type of access and don't have that type of um, accessibility for mental health support. And let's say if they do, quality is also a difficulty. um, Finding the right match, even navigating. So all these small, bigger, uh, medium-sized type of problems I went through, something definitely needs to be done about it. So I was really moved and motivated to have the birth of empath in that sense. Um, empathy is very sacred to me also so one of hence the name also for empath at the same time um it was really to address specifically also for the filipino market in that sense um that's why we do also have certain relatable posts that yeah. <laughs> as you mentioned you've scrolled <laughs> yeah. through our instagram A lot. A lot um posts. that captures the filipino experience at the same time um it was really it was really important someone really need to do something about it it's it's oh, sorry. It's a bit. It's a very difficult and slightly messed up type of um, system, <laughs> and it was just unfair for me that there are people that were millions of people suffering, and something needed to be done. And uh, I had uh, maybe skill sets and resources and opportunities for it. So in, did something about it, and uh, it's still in its starting stages, but definitely. Um, hoping to be able to serve more Filipinos, maybe in the millions, um, moving forward. Yeah, and it's amazing um, what you're
3: putting out there and the services that you're providing. But I also saw that you, like, you've signed contracts or partnerships with companies, um, investing in employee well-being. So um, what, like, what was the process of you deciding, like, was it always a part of your mission starting Empath that this isn't only going to be just like a one-on-one kind of um, consultation or you know therapy for, for different clients or patients like when did the concept of you know actually making it into like you know these business sectors come mm-hmm. in?
1: Yeah so for empath um, I've noticed the, one of the more impactful these from my experience impactful and meaningful development of my mental health was really because if the environment and community nourished you in that sense So for example, for me, it wasn't just me one-on-one therapy. My psychologist talked to my family members, um, teachers, or even um, when it came to my friends as well, um, the psych friends that I had who were my roommates. Um, And I noticed it's really multiple stakeholders, multiple factors that come into it to really build meaningful impact. And it also we wanted scalability and impact, scalability and sustainability. So for us, we do more of community-based mental health care. So that's why we do more of a, I guess, business model in our social enterprise. The workplaces, we partner with workplaces, so the employers, Um, we partner with schools, Uh, we partner with also nonprofits. So for example, how it works is that the employer um, covers the mental health, let's say, online therapy sessions, Um, it's the mental health benefits, Um, because mental health benefits are widely increasing in demand, especially with the Gen Z and Millennials in the workforce. Um, and then these employees or those under the company can avail for it for free and can access it 24-7 in that sense um, can book a consultation mm-hmm. and then or even experience mental health first aid training. So similar with mm-hmm. schools, the schools would cover it or even a non-profit. So we've catered to let's say Philippine Science High School um, to be able to provide their students. Students loved it. Teachers wanted it also. We gave it to teachers as well nice. um, and they can access it for free. Um, it's covered and nonprofits like ABS Foundation Bantai with Bata. Yeah. Um, save the Children. Yeah, save the children. Also we're engaging with them already and it was really more of a community type of thing. All the more when we're very a community based type of culture. We found that was great for impact, scalability and yeah, that's the direction I wanted to go and hopefully to be able to imprint that in the mental health space in yeah. the Philippines. For sure. And and so it's and it's such a like, it's
3: very important now because it's like, again, you know, we were experiencing some people or at least some monsters who are experiencing, you know, disassociating with it in their workplace because of like burnout or different factors. So, you know, for workplaces to actually invest in uh, in mental well-being, I think that's very important. Um, that's such a perk no. <laughs> right <To have>. yeah <laughs>
2: so. but but you don't only stop technically with the sessions you know we also provide wellness activities yeah. that, pro- that you know it's not just curing what mental illnesses you have but it's also sustaining a very healthy mental state yeah
3: definitely and so like so hopefully um, for those who are who own businesses you know you might be interested uh in wanting to invest in employee well-being or mental well-being for your employees and uh, make them want to stay <laughs> I yes. guess, and so that they can be able to balance work and life for sure. Now, uh, we are nearing the end of the show. Uh, so, let's just invite monsters to uh to empath who needs it um maybe tell us the difference between like the psychiatric consult because there are two options Mm -hmm. right uh psychotherapy and psychiatric consult for those who might be interested who might want to seek help already why don't you go ahead and invite the monsters yeah
1: sure so (laughs) you can log on to www.empath.ph so from there we have three types so that would be the empath intake consultation so those are for new clients um, you will be assigned with a case officer to really help you with your um, matching process mm-hmm. so that would be your wingman in that yeah, sense yeah. for the um, mental health professional that's best for you there's also the psychologist and psychiatrist this was a very important thing I had to learn that my roommates told me about yeah. as well <laughs> so for with psychologists they focus on let's say talk therapy psychotherapy um, yeah, psychotherapy and then we have the psychiatrist where they focus more on medication yes. in that sense so um, for those types of cases if you're not sure which one to choose. That's why we have the empath. Yes, that's why You need to take the intake mm-hmm. so that would be best recommended for you So you don't have to waste waste your time yes. in that sense and resources. on right, just yeah. trying to guess here and there mm-hmm. What's right for you? The,
2: the point here is that we are already directing you to the rightful service that you deserve mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, well the point here is that Even if you are experiencing smaller symptoms right now, we have what we call ameliorative Therapy, meaning you don't let your symptoms become full-blown disorders. So even as early as that, you can log on to empath.ph, and it will help you with that.
3: There we go. Well, thank you so much for joining me this evening for on Thursdays, Rich and Steph. Such a pleasure to talk about mental health, bringing awareness to it, and also bringing awareness to our monsters that you can seek help and it is accessible and that um, you shouldn't be afraid or you shouldn't hesitate to ask if you need it if you feel distressed, if you feel triggered with all the terms that you've learned this evening as well uh don't self-diagnose <laughs> so uh um, don't don't take those tests on online or don't take them seriously at least and then actually do an actual consult with uh, with mental health professionals but for now um, thank you to all the monsters who have been listening online, on air, on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. For now, uh, keep a lock right here on The Monster. Bye bye!
0: Monster exclusive interview. Monster exclusive interview. Only from Manila's Armas. Monster RX 93.1.